You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your monthly dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and it shouldn't be monthly, but that's the way it's been lately. I'm Ryan Andrews from jaysfromthecouch.com. I am still alive, as much as recent medical events have attempted to waylay that line of thought, but I am back to discuss Blue Jays with y'all and, and finally release the Kevin Pilar scrum interview that was done at Winterfest. 2019 that was almost two months ago i i am very sorry to all the fans who have missed me it's been a whirlwind here um for those of you who haven't been up on the twitter feed and the way twitter's going i don't blame you uh i welcomed a niece into the world last month uh, my brother and sister-in-law had a healthy baby girl named Jacqueline. Call her Jackie because two syllables is shorter than three. And it's been interesting because uh, Jackie had to be delivered during uh, via C-section, which has knocked my sister-in-law out pretty hard. And there have been multiple trips back to the hospital to deal with the residual effects of that. And because she can't drive and my brother doesn't want to drive, even though he's got his license now, finally, I'm the nearest relative who can drive, which has made things fun, especially when I'm sitting in a hospital parking lot for two hours after being told soon they'd look at her and instead it being two hours. So that's where I'm coming from. But thankfully, thankfully, baseball is back and there are more warm and fuzzy feelings and everything is looking up, I guess, both medically and hopefully temperature-wise soon. Again, looking outside the window and seeing a boatload of snow just all over the place. Really makes you question whether or not baseball is actually coming back. But we have stuff to talk about in regards to the Blue Jays. And this is going to be kind of a quick catch-up episode. Just go over, you know, the biggest Blue Jays news that I've missed over the past month. And then we're going to have the Pilar interview in the second half of the episode. So, Blue Jays have signed people since we last talked. Uh, John Axford's back on a minor league deal, which everybody likes John Axford. That's great. Uh, Bud Norris was signed on a minor league deal, and not as many people like Bud Norris, especially considering the news reports that came out last year in regards to his treatment of St. Louis rookie Jordan Hicks, which might not be a smart idea to antagonize a guy with a 105-mile-an-hour fastball, because i got to imagine he can fling stuff pretty hard at you if he took him off. So, I, I question Bud Norris's tactics. I question his makeup as a person, but the Blue Jays have brought him in, likely as closer insurance for Ken Giles, because Ken Giles... 
<laughs> Let, let's let's just not talk about the outing that he had where he gave up four runs without recording a single out. I mean, like, for, for all the Ken Giles defending that is done on this podcast, that perfectly encapsulated everything everyone hates about Ken Giles. It's just, he could not locate anything. What he was able to get in the zone was just absolutely destroyed. And again, it it doesn't bode well. It Like I said, doesn't bode well that immediately after that game is when the Blue Jays decided to sign Bud Norris, which also great timing for that because the Jays from the Couch 2019 guide to the Toronto Blue Jays was coming out the next day. And I was in charge of writing all the blurbs on the newest Blue Jays for that. And the Blue Jays decided to sign two people right before the deadline. So, you know, that was fun to try and rush that into the book. Another thing that's been piling on here lately that's hopefully clearing up a little bit. But anyway, Bud Norris, he's, you know, he's an older fastball slider pitcher. And he's probably going to take a bullpen spot away from one of the younger guys if he shows out in spring training, which he hasn't actually pitched yet, probably because he was unsigned until almost March. But again, he's exactly the kind of guy that Toronto signed last year. These guys that, you know, have good peripherals were not invited to be a part of a bullpen in a major league sense, so they're going to try and, and raise him up a bit and see if they can get an extra prospect for him, you know, similar like San Juano last year. In addition to Bud Norris, the Blue Jays also signed Clay Buckholtz to what we confirmed is a major league deal, and to make room for him, Dwight Smith Jr. got DFA'd. We'll talk about Dwight first, because he, he's been a bit of a, you know, a favorite just for his ability to hit at a time when many Blue Jays failed to display that ability. Dwight Smith was able to consistently get on base, and that was nice. It was it was good to see a base runner for the Blue Jays, but it, it's weird that in the outfield packing order, he would be the first to go when you consider Dalton Pompey is still on this 40-man roster and Jonathan Davis is on this 40-man roster. And in discussing it with some of the other people on the couch, uh, Sri Kabse pointed out that it's probably Dwight Smith Jr.'s defense that actually got him DFA'd. Because while he does hit, he doesn't hit a lot for power, which if you have a corner outfielder, that's usually what you're looking for there. And he doesn't play defense well enough to be a center fielder. So he's kind of this tweener guy. And in that instance, then doesn't make sense to keep Smith as that kind of guy when you have other people who will likely be going down to Buffalo. The the Blue Jays outfield is log jammed a bit, so one of those guys is going to have to go down to Buffalo. So it's just surprising that Pompey remains on the roster. Maybe it's the thought that Pompey would have been more attractive to teams on the waiver wire as opposed to Dwight Swift Jr. I still don't think he's out of the woods yet. Because, you know, Cleveland's looking for outfielders. Detroit's looking for outfielders. There are teams that could use an outfielder who has shown the ability to hit at the major league level. So, Dwight Smith Jr. could very easily be claimed by the time you're hearing this. 
And if he's still in Buffalo, that's great. That's another option there. But Clay Buckholz coming on to the roster kind of uh, brings up a couple things for the Blue Jays. One, this rotation has the structural integrity of a wet house of cards. Every single veteran pitcher in this rotation has had injury problems, except for Clayton Richard. And Clayton Richard's problem is more a non-injury problem in that he goes out there and keeps pitching until he gives up five runs, much like the Super Nintendo game of my youth. So it makes for a very fragile rotation. And, and so far, there are encouraging results coming out of Blue Jays spring training. Aaron Sanchez has looked really good, starting to flash that, you know, 2015 ERA champ form, which would make him very attractive on the trade market. Should it come to that? Or maybe they re-sign him. Who knows? There are crazier things that have happened. But he's looking good so far. Stroman is looking all right. He's, he's doing things, which I guess is what you want. But the main problem for the Blue Jays has been that their youngsters haven't been as steady. And again, you kind of look at the Clay Buckle signing as a knee-jerk reaction to spring training starts because that came right after Ryan Barucki's recent turn. And at that time, Barucki had like a 12 ERA in spring. He had a much better start, obviously, this week, posting three shutout innings. He did walk three batters, but... Still, he maintained control of the game and was able to keep those runs from crossing the plate. So so a much better start there for Ryan Barucki. But you combine him with Sean Reed Foley not having a good spring so far, giving up five runs in five innings. Um, Richard, Clayton Richard, we, we talked about him. He could be a bullpen piece for this team as one of the few lefties on the roster. So he could be left out of the rotation altogether. He's... His salary's been paid down by San Diego, so it's not like it would cost the Blue Jays anything to really stick him back there. But between those perceived struggles, Buckles comes in, and that kind of is contradictory to the question, like, what are the Blue Jays trying to do in 2019? Are they trying to get their youngsters ready to start making runs in 2020, 2021, start pushing towards the playoffs? Because signing all these veterans to take up those slots seems antithetical to that belief. Or do they still not really like the prospect pool they have to work from and signing guys like Clay Buckholz, like Matt Shoemaker, um, like Freddie Galvis even, signing these guys to one-year deals to try and pedal them off at the deadline to get extra arms in. Is that the strategy that the Blue Jays front office is trying to follow to you know, build up this pool and give them some more options? There, There's talent that's come in that looks like it can be a part of this future. Uh, David Polino's look good in spring. Hector Perez has looked all right, but he's still not showing the things that would make him a potential starter down the road. Even Corey Copping, who was acquired for John Axford, has looked all right so far. So there are pieces that are kind of building, kind of getting to the point where they might be attractive in the future. But if the Blue Jays want to go out there and get more, then, you know, we can't really fault them for that. It's just that's the balancing act you're trying to play with the season. You're trying to give the youngsters more time, give them that experience, and at the same time, Make sure your roster is stocked well enough that you have all the talent you need to compete when your big studs are ready. And we're not going to talk about the biggest stud 
in the Blue Jays because everyone's been talking about the biggest stat. And this is just a quick catch up episode of the podcast so there will be plenty of time to talk about that big stud and maybe like why he should remain a big stud and not worry about these body shaming idiots like he's too fat like shut up you're weighing 300 pounds and eating press box popcorn shut up anyway that's a that's a quick catch up on what's going on with the blue jays so far in spring training we will be right back with the kevin pilar interview after this break All right, we are back. So again, this is this is the Kevin Pillar interview from two months ago at Winterfest. Really did not think it would take me this long to post it, but again, life. So it's cut off at first, um, but Pillar does start talking to the local media, and I'm I'm very happy. I was able to get my question about going over to Japan in there because I think he got a really interesting response to that the whole situation going over there so look for that later in the interview and here is kevin pilar you know we see him when we go to the west coast in seattle we see him in places like detroit and and minnesota and they come out to um you know watch their favorite team so anytime we get an opportunity to uh go to different parts of canada uh, one it's always fun to see different parts of the country i've been able to see some uh, amazing places, some some beautiful places. Um, and most importantly, you get to interact with some fans that might not other otherwise have the opportunity to get a chance to meet some of their favorite players. Um, it's a professional game, and there's a lot of talk about the rebuilding Blue Jays and where you fit into that. What are, what are your thoughts going into training like, camp? Like where I fit in personally? Yeah, like like I've heard your name mentioned. Like, is it going to be traded before? the upcoming season or where do you see yourself fitting in with this team and wanting to be back for 20 years? Yeah, I mean, this is all I've ever known. You know, I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that, you know, I was drafted and developed by this organization. I've been able to spend parts of six seasons in the major leagues with this team. Um, you know, I've individually, I've had some success team wise. We've had a ton of success, you know, getting, uh, you know, into the playoffs back to back years. Um, it's just the nature of the beast, you know. Uh, you realize how, you know, during the 15-16 season, you know, we thought our team was going to be a playoff team year in and year out uh, for as long as, you know, we wanted to. Um, but you realize in sports it's hard to uh, get to the playoffs. It's hard to win every single year. And, um, you know, I'm excited about the future. I know I know the future is uh, right around the corner. Um, I know we have some really young, talented guys coming up, and you've been able to see teams, um, you know, in the in the recent past, you know, kind of strip their team down, keep some of the veterans, but really just allow young guys to come up and and um, you know get seasoned together. And uh, you know, the Red Sox, the Astros, and you know, I'm just hoping to be around to be a part of it. You know, this is all I've ever known. This is all I've really ever want to know and um you know i feel like uh i just need to show up in camp be the best version of myself and go out there and play and everything else kind of takes care of itself what about the idea that you're probably going to have a bigger leadership role now than ever given the the idea that the you know the team's in transition and you're going to have a, a, a probably a slate of new young guys this year. yeah i mean it's something that um you know, I've always felt like I've been capable of doing. You know, I necessarily haven't been in the, um, you know, maybe I've kind of sat back and learned from some 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 older guys, some some good leaders that we had in the past. Um, like you said, it, it might be my time to step up as a leader, as a guy that's uh, been here longer than anyone else. Um, 
and knowing that I'll be one of the older guys on, on the opening day roster. Uh, it's something that I look forward to, you know, and I did a pretty good job last year in September when a lot of these younger guys came up and I saw, um, you know, how close-knit group uh, they were, all had come up in the minor leagues together, kind of feeling like uh, there was a little bit of the changing of the guard from guys that have been there in the past. You have a whole group of young guys coming up that, you know, really got along and really wanted to play for each other. You know, I was able to step out of, you know, my comfort zone a little bit and spend more time with these guys and really get to know them and, and stay in touch with them in the off season. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just there to try to uh, steer this ship in the right direction and, and, and teach these guys how to be professionals and, and teach them how to win. Now, one in particular, Mr. Mr. Guerrero, is, is perhaps the top prospect in baseball. Uh, whereas he might not make the team out of training, or out of, out of, uh, training camp basically because of a contract, but will likely join you at some point. How excited are you to get him in the lineup and see what he can do? He's torn it up everywhere else. Yeah, you know, I've, I've had a little opportunity to play with him in spring training games, and, uh, you know, everyone I've, I know that's played with him, you know, uh, talks about how just special of a talent he is, how hard he works, how good of a kid he is. Um, I've seen it um, in small sample sizes in some spring training games, but... Um, you know, the way he's been able to dominate every level he's played at, whether it was double-A, triple-A, the fall league, um, you know, it, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, in a perfect world, you'd like to see him uh, opening day, playing third base. If he goes out in spring training, earns it. But you understand this is a business, and uh, the front office is going to do what they have to do. But, you know, I expect him to be up there at some point, and I expect him to go out there and be successful and um you know, kind of take over as the face of this franchise and, and, and lead this franchise to um, great things. Kevin, you were, um, you were the Blue Jays representative for the games played over in Japan. Uh, what was that experience like playing in such a different environment to MLB? And were you tempted to recreate the Spider-Man catch that, I don't know if you're familiar with that YouTube video? Yeah, yeah I've seen it, I've seen it. Um, the walls there were really high. The, the, the <laughs> one the one stadium we played at, the outdoor stadium in Hiroshima, um, was a, a place you could recreate that. Uh, obviously, I didn't I didn't have an opportunity to do that, but um, it was a huge honor for me to go over there and uh, not only represent Major League Baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays, but I represent myself over there too. Um, it was an unbelievable experience. Uh, total first class by Major League Baseball. Uh, total first class by. Uh, Japan and all the people that were involved uh, in embracing Major League Baseball players there. And, um, you know, the fans were for, were amazing. Um, it's definitely a different environment over there, the way that um, it's, it's very similar to, I guess, you know, European soccer and the fact that there's a lot of music and chanting and uh, choreographed stuff going on in the stands, and it was, uh, it was cool to be a part of. And, um you know, unfortunately, we went over there and we, you know, we weren't as successful as we were hoping to be. But um, it's kind of hard to match their intensity level as they're kind of preparing for um, the Olympics that are being held over there in, in 2020. And, you know, we kind of were just a collection of guys that were most of us were sitting at home enjoying our off season and maybe had to start preparing a little bit earlier to go over there and put ourselves in, um, you know, somewhat a game shape. But. Um, it was still an unbelievable experience, something I wish, uh, you know, a lot more guys had the opportunity to, to, to do. And, you know, when it happens in uh, another four years, you know, um, you know, if I'm if if I'm still around and guys still want me to go, it would be a no brainer for me to go back. Can we switch gears from uh, the Far East to uh, here at Canada's Far East? Have you ever been here and what are you expecting uh, 
you know, to, in your short time that you, that you will. Be no, here. no, I, I've never been here before. Um, you know, I think this, you know, I think you get a little bit more, uh, more east than this, but I, I was pretty amazed when I was flying and I was checking out the map and, uh, you know, really had an understanding of where I was going. You know, when Shannon told me maybe a month ago that I was uh, going to be coming to Halifax, I kind of looked it up on Google. And, you know, most of the time they show it in the summer, and I'm like, wow, beautiful place on the water. Um, obviously been to some, been on a lot of these before. I understand it's going to be cold and snowy. It's going to look a little bit different than than the pictures. but um, Not Southern California, where you're from. No, no, it's not. But, um, you know, it's exciting. You know, like I said, it, it's it's a big part of the reason I continue to go on these trips. Um, you know, obviously one is to, to meet people Two is to engage with, you know, some fans that, like I said, might not otherwise have the opportunity to meet some of their favorite players or get to see, um, Toronto Blue Jay players in person. But, you know, three is just to get out and, and, uh, see different parts of Canada. You know, I've been fortunate to, you know, this is my sixth time on this trip. I probably, and with some other things I've done off the field, you know, I've probably been to, um, you know, 12 to 15 different cities in, in, uh, in Canada. And it's, um, something I enjoy doing something, uh, as long as I'm here, I'm going to continue to do. And, um, you know, I'm actually excited to, uh, leave this building. You know, I got in late last night. I wasn't really able to see a whole lot outside cause it was dark and I was a bit tired. So I am excited to get outside of the hotel and, and see what Halifax has to offer. What kind of experience do you want to give to your fans, younger fans? <laughs> For example, sorry, what was that? What kind of experience do you want to bring to your fans or younger fans from here? I just want to be myself, you know. Like I said, uh, it, you know, you, you know, we show up, but we we try to bring, uh, you know, positive attitude. We try to bring some energy, but really, um, you know, the fans are, you know, what 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 motivate us to be here. Uh, the interaction with them, whether it's here shortly at the hospital or, or later at the autograph session or, you know, tomorrow at these youth clinics. Um, just we want them to know that we're just real people. We're real human beings. We're normal people that, you know, just worked hard and had a dream. And um, if they want to do it, whether they're from Halifax, Nova Scotia or Los Angeles, California, you know, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve through hard work. And, um, you know, that's the kind of message we want to send to especially the youth. Back to the season, and, and to, just a quick two-parter. Um, what do you know about the new manager, and uh, what kind of a transition will that be for you? Uh, definitely going to be a little bit of a transition. Um, Gibby was the only manager I ever played for. Um, I learned to kind of, you know, read his mind. He was able to read my mind. I knew what to expect going into spring training, how things were going to be ran. I kind of knew how lineups were going to be made. I knew, you know, it kind of became monotonous, you know. Um, so... You know, with Charlie was stepping in and taking over, you know, I kind of had this nervous excitement about spring training that I haven't had in a while uh, just because I'm going into, you know, a very familiar space with a lot of unknowns of how spring training is going to be ran, how, when I'm going to play, what I'm going to do, what his expectations are for me, uh, what my expectations of him are going to be. But you, I've been able to reach out with some people that um, – Either I've had opportunity to play with or play against, um, you know, that play for Charlie in Tampa or in Durham, um, and everyone speaks extremely high about him. And I've had a couple of uh, conversations on the phone with him, and you know, just as a human being, um, you know, he's he's first class, and you know, 
seems to genuinely care about me and, and my well-being and my family's, and you know that's the the most important uh, thing for me. You seem like you're ready to take on a captaincy role in those. I know that in like some sports, you know, maybe Russell Martin yourself. Like, is that something you're ready to really take on this year? Yeah, I mean, if the opportunity presents itself, like I said, I just I just try to show up and lead by example. Um, being there now longer than anyone else with obviously a younger group, I feel like. Uh, when my voice needs to be heard, it's something that I got to get comfortable in stepping up and, and, and saying what I need to say and, and, and try to steer the ship in the right direction. And there you have it, the final interview laid out for y'all. Hope you all enjoyed that. It was a good talk with Kevin. I was, was actually really pleased with how that went. So in the interest of saving my voice to hopefully do more than two episodes in a month, I am going to end this episode of Locked on Jays here. If you like what you hear, follow the podcast on Twitter, like the Facebook page at Locked on Jays, and you can follow me on Twitter at NeoEC18. That's NeoEC18 to, you know, interact with me and get your voice heard on this podcast. Again, hopefully you won't have to wait very long to hear your thoughts on this podcast. We will be trying to ramp things up and you know, hopefully move forward now that, you know, babies aren't being born and other medical things aren't happening. Also, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, y'all should get your copy of the 2019 Jays from the Couch Guide to the Toronto Blue Jays. I think that's how the title goes. I don't know. I wasn't in charge of the title. I have a couple pieces in there. Again, I did write-ups on every new face in the Blue Jays organization this season from both a player and a staff standpoint for the major leagues. So you'll get all the information you need on these new faces. And also there is a, another tribute to Roy Halliday in their second year in a row that I've written about Roy Halliday in that book. This one's a, a little more happier in tone, I guess, but also a little more critical. So I hope you all enjoyed that take that's in there and check it out. It's a great buy. Uh, the paperback will be coming out soon, so you can have that hard copy and impress all your friends by putting it on your bookshelf with the fancy cover and everything. So please do that and help support the site. So now for everyone at jaysfromthecouch.com and Locked on Jays, I've been Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode, and y'all take care. ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts that's stamps.com code program